One of the pieces of advice I always give folks is is it is very, very hard. And I, I don't recommend it unless you're so passionate about your product that nothing else matters. You have to believe in it with 100% of your heart enough to make some pretty big sacrifices in your life. Welcome to Food Marketing Nerds, your weekly serving of marketing advice and industry insights with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterley. Hey, everybody. Alex Osterley here. Welcome and thanks for joining us for another great episode of Food Marketing Nerds. Today, we're sitting down with founder and CEO of Daily Greens, Shauna Martin. Shauna began her career in corporate law, and after being diagnosed with breast cancer in her early 30s, she discovered her passion for plant-based nutrition and for green juice. Her green juice recipes had a profound impact on her own well-being and wanting to share the benefit with the rest of the world. She set up shop at her first farmer's market. And as you may have guessed by the fact that she's on this podcast, those initial batches sold pretty well. And Daily Greens became one of the companies to kickstart the green juice movement. Fast forward to today, and you can find Daily Greens on the shelves of nearly every major retailer across the country. Through the ups and downs of the green juice category to competitors getting acquired by the Coca-Colas of the world, Daily Greens has still managed to stay independent and remains a key player in the industry. Today, Daily Greens continues to innovate, and as a matter of fact, you'll get to hear about some pretty exciting new things that Shauna has in the works here in a minute. In this episode, you're going to learn how to scale operations when your product goes national, what characteristics you should look for in your next hires, how recipe content led to Daily Greens becoming a household name, and so much more. I really enjoyed learning from Shauna, and I have a feeling that you are about to as well. So let's get to it. Shauna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your backstory and what led you to founding Daily Greens? Sure. I became obsessed with green juice starting in probably like 2005, 2006 timeframe. And the reason I became obsessed with all things healthy and all things green juice was I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2005. I was just 33 years old. My son was just a mere one year old. And I was pretty shocked to find myself with breast cancer. The odds were not great. I did everything the doctors told me to. I did a double mastectomy. I did full-blown chemotherapy for a couple of years. I did hormone therapy for five years. I had my ovaries removed when I was 39. So, I mean, I really, you know, went above and beyond what the doctors told me was the standard of care for, for my breast cancer. But the odds are it will come back in 30 to 40% of all of us in the form of stage four breast cancer. And stage four breast cancer is not curable. You, you deal with it for the rest of your life. So I didn't want that to happen at a one-year-old. So I, I decided to go on my own journey of health and decide what, you know, what to do to kind of increase my odds. Maybe I could swing them back in my favor a little bit. So uh, I set about studying everything I could get my hands on. I was really obsessed. I'm, I'm basically at this point sort of a self-taught nutritionist because I've read so much and studied so much about nutrition and the connection between what you eat and disease. And there really is a huge connection. So inspired by all of my new knowledge, I became fully plant-based and vegan and have been for the last 15 years. Also, for me, the cornerstone of a plant-based diet was a green juice every day. 
And so I got all these recipes and made up my own recipes and started making myself a juice every day. Bought a couple different juicers, finally settled on the one that was the easiest. And I just became obsessed. I felt so much better when I drank a green juice every day. I healed myself from chemotherapy so much faster than my peers. I just, I was like, there's something to this green juice every day. And I would like evangelize all my friends and family, you know, give people recipes. I would buy my relatives, you know, my friends and family juicers and everybody would try it for a while. Six months was usually the average and everybody would agree. You know, I feel so much better when I drink a green juice, but ultimately after about six months, everybody would put the juicer on the top shelf and, and explain to me that they just, they couldn't deal with it. They had kale exploding out of the refrigerator and it was just too much of an effort to continue on long term. But everybody always told me if I would make juice for them, they would buy it. And that always resonated with me. So fast forward about five years later to 2012, and I left a big corporate job. I'm an attorney. I'm a corporate attorney by trade. And I had left a big corporate job and taken the summer off with my son. And just to kind of think about what am I passionate about? What I'm really passionate about is trying to help people heal with food. That is probably my primary life mission. It really inspires me and I'm inspired to help people. And I, I, I feel really burdened by the health crisis in America. It really breaks my heart. And I know that, you know, 90% of it can be fixed with food prevention, just eating a lot better. So I set out one day to make green juice and, um, and sell it at the farmer's market here in Austin, Texas, where I live. And uh, it was a major hit. And uh, much to my surprise, I sold out in an hour. And so, you know, I called up the owner of the farmer's market and I said, do you have any more farmer's markets? And she said, yeah, there's one tomorrow. So made a new batch of juice and took it to the other farmer's market. And um, by the next week, you know, had expanded to three farmer's market. And within about 30 days had expanded to all five of the major farmer's markets in Austin, Texas. I incorporated, you know, friends and family to help me, you know, to help me design a label, put up Facebook, you know, the initial people I had helping, some of them were working for free, (laughs) you know, because they believed in the mission. Essentially, I loaned myself about $100,000 and uh, bootstrapped a business from there. It was called Daily Greens. Daily Greens, fast forward seven years, almost eight years later, has national distribution in every major retailer or has, including Costco, Walmart, Target, Whole Foods, of course, was probably first to sign up and we went national with Whole Foods very quickly. You know, it's been kind of, it's, it's one of those great bootstrap stories. It was a pretty wild ride. We had to uh, bring on investors through time and currently have a wonderful set of investors that are very supportive of Daily Greens. In fact, just closed on a new investor um, just last week that they, they only invest in women-founded businesses. So that was kind of exciting. So anyway, it's, just, it's, been, it's been fantastic beyond my wildest dreams. I've learned so much. This has been, like I said, a crazy wild ride. And Daily Greens, of course has progressed past green green juice. Green juice kind of had its moment in the sunshine where, you know, it was just everywhere. Juice bars, um, it was just all the rage. But that moment has passed, and I think there's still a core audience for, for green juice, cold-pressed green juice. But I love innovating products, and so um, I've innovated a couple new lines that I would love to talk to you about. And uh, we, like I said, we've moved past green onto all kinds of other cool inventive products. We still stick to our roots of developing fresh products that are cold. The ingredients are cold pressed or cold brewed. Nothing's ever heated. And that way we maintain all the wonderful nutrients. And we try to start with the raw ingredients, no additives, 
know nothing. So we're the real deal. So what did the the green juice category look like when you were first getting started? So we were one of, uh, I think, four companies to kind of start, the kickstart the green juice category. There was Blueprint on the East Coast, Evolution on the West Coast, and Suja shortly behind them. And then Daily Greens was the fourth company in business to use, uh, it's called HPP, is the, is the way we process it. It's pressure instead of heat as the kill step to kill bad bacteria and preserve it. And so that way it stays technically still, it's still raw juice and it maintains all of its original nutrient value. So it was a new way, it was a new way of making juice that didn't include heating things and killing the great nutrients. And we started in Texas. So we were the first, you know, in the middle of the country to start making juice in this manner. All the other companies that started with this, they've all been sold essentially or received giant investments from big companies like Coca-Cola. So we still kind of remain the one independent in the marketplace. And uh, we're still trucking along, continuing to you know innovate, continuing to stay true to our goal and mission of creating fresh functional beverages that we believe are, you know, a step up from kind of the crap that you can get out there, you know, for a dollar ninety-nine. It's been highly processed, usually preservatives in it. Sugar-laden. Sometimes sugar-loaded, you know, not not made in a way that preserves the nutrients, in a way that starts with the raw materials, just cutting a lot of corners. And we just just don't do that. So you mentioned innovation, um, obviously keeping the integrity of the ingredients. Can you point to or think back to any decisions or strategies that Daily Greens did differently in those early stages that led you to where you are today or to outlast the list of challengers that eventually entered that space? Well, I think timing was key. Anybody that followed along behind us to try to start a cold press juice company, it was a much harder road. So I would say getting in with the first wave of cold pressed juice companies and then getting into Whole Foods on a national basis. You know, we're in Whole Foods backyard and they scouted us right out of the farmer's market. That relationship was very key because we were launched nationally like within the first year. That's not usually the way beverage companies launch. They usually launch regionally, you know, kind of go region by region with a big field marketing team, et cetera. And um, we, we were just forced to launch nationally like overnight. That was good and bad. Immediately, we were everywhere, so we could get, you know, with immediate national distribution, we could get into all the local natural and specialty food stores immediately, but it also was very hard to support a national footprint sort of as such a young company, and sometimes we did not, we, did, we were not successful at that sometimes in some markets. How did you scale up your knowledge and your expertise and ability to, to market nationwide when you go national that quickly? Well, we brought on pretty early a very seasoned investor group that had lots of experience with Dr. Pepper, a really cool concept of jointly managing small brands together. So having like shared resources, like a sales team and a, you know, marketing team and a whole team, like as a small brand, you can't really afford a whole like, you know, national sales team or a field marketing team. And so by sharing those resources with other like-minded small brands, it cuts your expenses down dramatically. So we were very lucky to find a wonderful investor investor with that investment thesis early on. And so um, we share resources with several other small like-minded brands or similar, I wouldn't say we're small, we're not not that small, but like-minded brands of similar size. Before the interview, you mentioned one of the bigger catalysts to Daily Green's initial growth came from publishing a, a physical recipe book. 
Can you tell our listeners a little about that story and how that all came to fruition? Yeah. So when I, I was asked the question, you know, what was the one marketing thing that you think, you know, really made a difference? And sort of looking back over time, over the past seven years, I mean, honestly, we've tried everything, all kinds of inventive, cool, cool things and cool ideas. We, we tried. But I think the one thing that I would say probably we got the biggest bang for our buck on was early on, I got approached by a very big publishing company to, in the, the, res, the recipe division, asked me if I would write a book. Where they had come up with the idea was I had been publishing seasonal cleanses on the website of Daily Greens. And these cleanses were based on my own experience of trying to heal myself from chemotherapy. I would do a quarterly cleanse, you know, in the years post-chemotherapy, but I really felt it made a dramatic difference in kind of cleansing all the toxins out of my body and keeping me, you know, a, a lot healthier. And my cleanses involved both drinking cold-pressed juice and, and eating a raw vegan diet. So it was a food and juice cleanse, um, which was a little bit different. During that time frame, everybody was doing all these crazy juice cleanses, which in my opinion are not very healthy. So anyway, this publisher tracked me down and said, you should make a book out of these cleanses. And I'm like, oh no, I was like, I, I don't have time for that. I'm crisscrossing the country, you know, doing sales meetings. And, you know, they, they pursued and said, no, we're serious. This could be a really big, you know, PR bonus and gift for the company. And so finally I relinquished and I, re I remember those days when I would like literally work all day long and then come home, put my son to bed and then start writing the book about 9 PM and work till about three or four in the morning. Um, I did that for a couple months just to get the book finalized. Um, but it turned out beautifully. It's called the daily greens four day cleanse and it's on Amazon. We hired a PR company and I did um, a couple book tours as part of those book tours, I would kind of crisscross the country and I would hole up at a Whole Foods and do basically a sampling. You know, I'd sample both the Daily Greens juice and, you know, recipes from the book. And uh, that would bring the customer directly in contact with our products in the Whole Foods where I was. And so that, that really was a huge boost to just sort of our profile. You know, I, I think it definitely helped, you know, with sales as well, but just getting us on the map and sort of in that category of, of a household name. I would say that book really had some real legs. Yeah. So I think that's the one thing we did that really didn't really cost anything to do the book. And the tours, you know, were just like our out-of-pocket out travel expenses. And then of course the PR firm. So I think we got a lot of bang for our buck out of that. Do you have any idea what prompted or how the, the publishing company found you in the first place? I don't. I mean, it's a recipe division from Quattro. And so, you know, I, I think they have, you know, editors, it's their job to kind of track down people like me, uh, founders of companies that might be able to write a book. And so they go nosy around the website and see if there's anything interesting there. So I think they just, they found me. <laughs> I didn't know that I could write a book. And so it was kind of, I mean, I, I wrote every word of the book. So it was kind of interesting, you know, process and it kind of gave me, you know, confidence that maybe I could even write some more books. So maybe, maybe in the future. <laughs> so you publish this book, you are getting into Whole Foods nationwide. I think Daily Green story is kind of a, a framework inspiration of people who start their own company, especially in the food and beverage space. <laughs> yeah. So were there any stages of the company's growth that you look back on as being the most fun or the most challenging? Well, in the early days, we actually up until about two years ago, we made the juice ourselves. We self-manufactured. I would say that was one of our biggest challenges because we were growing so fast. And then, you know, how do you know, how do you know when to buy new equipment? You know, how do you know when it makes sense to involve a co-packer? 
that we had no choice in the beginning days. I mean, most beverages are made by a co-packer, but in the early days, and you know, all of our competitors are in the same category, juice co-packers wouldn't touch this category. It's cold press. These HPP machines are like two to $3 million machines. You know, the juicing process is very laborious. You know, you're dealing with this raw vegetables. In the early days, like no one would touch it. And you had no choice but to literally buy the equipment yourself. The very first thing I bought, like within two months of starting the business was a refrigerated truck. I mean, like a $100,000 refrigerated truck that I had to lease. I mean, I have no business with a refrigerated truck. But it was like there was no way to start (laughs) the business because we had to truck the bottles to an HPP plant like three hours away. So... We eventually bought our own HPP machine. We had our own, you know, 15,000 square foot plant. It was just so challenging to run that plant. You know, there was just every day was a new challenge, right? You'd run out of bottles or the machine would go down or you'd run out of, you know, kale or, you know, a tsunami would hit somewhere, right? You know, I think we would have, we had a lime shortage for a long time, right? And there was a cucumber shortage. And so manufacturing ourselves was was hugely challenging. Um, And we finally outgrew it, uh, the plant, and finally found and partnered with a wonderful co-packer. And that's been a real blessing and allowed us to scale even further. What was the point where you realized, okay, we need to change things up and and find a a co-packer? Well, we were looking, I was sitting there, you know, it was probably about February and I was looking at, we have big rotations in Costco over the summer usually. And that can be, you know, July, August can be our biggest months. And I was sitting there looking at the rotations and remembering what we'd done the summer prior and looking at at the fact that we were going to be in even more Costco regions in 2018. And I I just realized we wouldn't make it. There was no way. And Costco is very demanding. You do not disappoint Costco. You deliver on time within a two hour window or you're out. And so I I just realized there was no way to do it within our plant. And expanding wasn't an option because our landlord, we'd started out on the east side of Austin and sort of abandoned warehouse space. And over the course of of a couple of years, that space in the whole block had become so popular that our landlord wanted to tear out our refrigeration and make office space out of it. So <laughs> he would not allow us to expand. So, you know, I went on a tour of the whole land and like visited every co-packer and found one that was really like-minded and, you know, willing to take us on. And we switched in a matter of six weeks and the rest is history. They're still our co-packer and they're a wonderful partner. So over these past few years, I'm switching to a co-packer, and I'm sure there's a lot of other changes that have been going on with the company. How has your role changed, particularly in the past year or two? So in the past year since we went to the co-packer, um, it's really allowed me to focus on innovation again. So it's kind of, you know, it was so freeing to be free of the day-to-day worries about, you know, is there going to be enough kale, you know? <laughs> so, so that was, you know, quite a, a weight off. And I, I really have had a lot of fun the last two years getting back to my roots of innovating. You know, every skew in the company I, I created, now I've really had the freedom to, to move past green juice and come up with some really exciting things. So early last year, about a year ago, we launched a new lemonade brand called Farm Stand. And uh, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd innovated one of the SKUs, actually a couple of them, and they did, they did well, but they, they were sort of a little confused because they still had the word Daily Greens on them, our brand, and they're not green. There are all these beautiful, brilliant colors. There's an orange and there's a blue and there's a pink and there's a cherry and, you know, it didn't just go with the branding. So we, we retrenched when we realized that, that we maybe had a hit on our hands and rebranded and came up with the fun name Farm Stand, 
lemonade. And they, they're just really cool. They have been catching on in the lemonade section of the grocery store, but they can also sit next to the other cold pressed juices because the ingredients are cold pressed. To me, the reason for being for farm stand is that I saw I saw sort of a gap in the lemonade market. You know, if you go to buy a lemonade, you're looking at, you know, over a hundred calories and like 40 grams of sugar. And that's just, that's too much sugar for me. And probably is for most, most everyone. Right. But you still want that fun sweetness, right. And that citrusy taste. And so I used monk fruit to sweeten my lemonades. And then, you know, in signature daily green style, we had to put in our fun adaptogen ingredients, like turmeric, like ginger. The blue one is actually juiced jicama. And so it's white color. And then we added a uh, blue magic spirulina, um, which turns it this fun blue color. So of course, no, you know, no color additives, but they look, you know, they actually look like the colors of Gatorade, but of course they're not right. Everything's naturally occurring. So the turmeric creates an orange and then we've got a strawberry ginger, a cherry lemon. We've got an original lemonade. So they're brilliant in their color scheme. But anywhere from like zero to like five grams of sugar and everything's like, I think under 45 calories. So what did you feel like was the hardest part that you didn't see as being as challenging as it really was? I mean, I think the travel was a little unexpected for me for the last seven years. I mean, I've had to jump on a plane almost every single week. You know, uh, when my breast cancer came back like three years ago, that was that became increasingly hard for me. And then COVID made it impossible. And so, yeah, I would say the travel was was intense. And that led to great personal sacrifice. I'm a single mom with a now 15 year old, almost 16 year old. So I think the travel can really be very intense. And, you know, one of the pieces of advice I always give folks that think they want to go out and do this is it is very, very hard. And I, I don't recommend it unless you are, uh, you're so passionate about your product that, you know, nothing else matters. <laughs> you have to believe in it with 100% of your heart, your soul, and your mind, enough to make some pretty big sacrifices in your life and your personal life. It's not an easy business. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> so really believe in it before you jump off the cliff. <laughs> the advice I usually give. Yeah, very capital intensive, and uh, it's not an easy route. No, it's definitely been worth every moment. I've learned so much. I, I hope that I've helped uh, give the world some better options in the juice category, some healthier options along the way. But yeah, it's been it's been a crazy, wonderful ride. One of our past guests said the advice that she always gives anybody who comes to her and asks if they should start a launch a food or beverage brand is just don't, <laughs> don't do it. It's like, so if they do, after I tell them that, then I know that they at least have some passion. Yeah. I mean, I would kind of say the same thing. Like you just, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be harder than you could even imagine. So you, like I said, if you're going to make it, you really have to believe in it and be willing to make a lot of, a lot of personal sacrifices. So that was early last year. They kind of launched over the summer. And then the other thing that is that is just in the process of launching, it was going to really launch at Expo West. It got written up actually as Expo East. We had sort of like preliminary labels on them, is our new butterfly tea. It's called Rama. And it, we were going to have a big splash at Expo West. And of course, that got canceled, unfortunately. But it won some awards at Expo East. So uh, I was playing around and I stumbled upon this ingredient called butterfly pea flowers. 
when you make a tea out of it, it's this brilliant color of blue. But then when you change the pH of it, so you add other ingredients that change the pH, it actually changes the color. You could actually create a pH meter with this ingredient. It's crazy. So I just became fascinated with it and um, started playing around with it and eventually created a whole cold brewed tea line. And this brand is sort of like, it's all about like what's not in it. So there's no artificial colors, even though there's these brilliant colors, there's no sugar, there's no sweeteners, there's no caffeine. It's just the, you know, the raw tea ingredients, cold brewed. And so that, I think these are going to be a major hit. I think there's nothing like them on the market. When it comes to finding that next big thing or these unique ingredients, where do you start? Or is it more gut feel based on your context and understanding of the industry? Or where does that come from? It's just my thirst and continual search for, you know, eating healthy, honestly. You know, I'm always looking for additional supplements to help, you know, help with my energy level and, you know, helping me continue to be healthy. So the, the, the end of my breast cancer story is that my breast cancer did eventually come back almost three years ago. Um, and it was stage four, as I had hoped it would not be. So I will be dealing with breast cancer for the rest of my life. It's not curable, but I stay on some wonderful sort of targeted chemotherapies. But I always have to, you know, watch my diet and continue the search for wonderful ingredients that will keep me healthy and give me energy um, and drink a green juice every day. So kind of changing gears a little bit, but when it comes to hiring and building your team, is there any advice that you'd give others who are aspiring to, to build a food and beverage company? Yeah, I mean, you got to find the right people. You know, I just feel really blessed that we're in Austin and, and folks in Austin are really excited to come work for a startup. It's sort of a badge of honor in Austin that you're working for, you know, the latest cool like beverage startup. Uh, it's not that way in some in some cities. But I think you got to find a mix between folks that are excited to work in, you know, a startup environment, but that aren't such big time aren't such big time players that they need, you know, I mean, if you, if you hire somebody like straight out of a Coke or, a, you know, a Dr. Pepper or some of these other big beverage brands, you know, they're used to having a team of people, you know, to do, you know, all the things for them. And, you know, that's not the way it works in a startup, right? I mean, you roll up your sleeves and I, I still kind of consider us to be, you know, kind of more along those lines, right? Everybody's got to roll up their sleeves and, you know, and there's really not any room for, primadonnas, if you would, right? So I, I think when you hire, you really have to sort of, that's what you have to look for, right? Is somebody that has enough experience to truly offer, truly get you what you need and get you to the next level, yet not be so big corporate, big beverage that they can't roll up their sleeves. And I, I heard you mention in a, in a similar interview, passion for the company is, is a huge, one of the biggest factors that you base your hiring on amongst many other things like experience. But uh, beyond straight up asking somebody, how do you really get a sense for whether the person you're interviewing is going to be passionate about the brand or willing to roll up their sleeves like you're mentioning? Oh, you can tell. Just stick some juice in front of them and see what they see how they react. I mean, everybody at Daily Greens is really committed to the beverage space. <laughs> I don't even have to hire a team when I do tastings. Like I just have this built-in group of super tasters in the company down to the accountants and the, you know, the delivery people, just everybody. They they found us because they're passionate about our products. And you, you can just, I can tell right off the bat whether somebody is in it for just a job or whether they're really passionate about, about our products and our, our mission. 
like I said, even our staff accountant is like passionate about juice. So a little bit off topic, but more for my own personal curiosity. Did your background in, in law influence the way that you run the company or how you grew early on? I definitely think it was very helpful to have a legal background. I think we were able to save money by not having to hire, you know, lawyers to help us with various things. You know, I'm able to sort of advise on the packaging and the regula- regulations around packaging. And so there's kind of a whole host of built-in things that I can do that we don't have to go outside for and uh, because I'm a lawyer. And so I, I think that was definitely like incredibly helpful along the way and saved us a ton of money. How bad? Do you feel like you are naturally inclined to being an entrepreneur or was this more built out of passion? No, I definitely am inclined that way. I do personality tests. I definitely am off the charts on the entrepreneurial side of things. And even even my way of practicing law has always been in, in an entrepreneurial environment, either starting my own firm or working in-house with companies that are you know entrepreneurial. Are there any books or publications that have influenced your philosophy or beliefs around marketing or being an entrepreneur? I mean, there's lots of food books. Um, I, I, again, I'm always trying to get everybody to eat more plant-based. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of food books. But as far as, you know, being an entrepreneur, I can't, I can't say that I really read anything specific on the topic. You know, for me, it just, it comes from the gut. And I, I can't help myself but be an entrepreneur. <laughs> it's definitely a personality defect, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so with what you know now, and you've already given a lot of great pieces of advice, but if you could go back and give yourself, as you were starting Daily Greens, a piece of advice, what would it be? Probably don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) No, I would say just, you know, really stick true to your, stick true to the mission, right? Always, you know, never compromise on the quality of the product. I I think that is advice that I have heeded along a long way. But yeah, I mean, just always be true to the mission of getting, you know, best quality, purest ingredients out there in the marketplace and and the customers will come. Well, you've built an amazing company and have so many different, awesome, exciting things going on between Daily Greens and Farmstand and Rama. Where can people go to keep up with you and Daily Greens and Rama and Farmstand and all the great things you have going on? Well, we're just not building out the websites for Rama and Farmstand, but look for those soon and the social media channels. But yeah, Daily Greens has a wonderful website and a wonderful social media following. So you should keep up with everything that way. Yeah, look for look for our, our Rama and Farmstand information soon. <laughs> but yeah, dailygreens.com. Jonna, thank you so much for your time and all the, the wisdom and insights and love to hear about everything you're doing and can't wait for Rama to, to hit shelves. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Great, thanks so much. And that is the show, everybody. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your listening time with us. Out of all the great podcasts out there, we will be back next week. Food Marketing Nerds is a production of Blue Bear Creative. For interview transcripts and other downloadable resources, head to foodmarketingnerds.com. Foodmarketingnerds.com